homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Welcome to Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. I'm Laura Jones. It's Friday night, so Aldine Strict 9, KRCL's punk rock farmer, is riding shotgun again. Hey, Al. Hey, it's great to be here, Laura, as always. Thank you. Coming up, you've assembled a panel discussion, a truly punk rock farmer panel discussion about seeds. Who do you got coming up and why? Well, big things are happening. This time of year is the Ogden Seed Exchange. It's one of the biggest, coolest events. It's one of my favorite events of the whole year. It gets us growing. It gets us excited and talking about seeds. David Wolfgram's with us. Um, Greg Bat is also uh, affiliated with this. These are guys here in Utah. But we have Bill McDormand with us, and he is with Rocky Mountain Seed Exchange. And um, Bill is Bill gets excited more excited than all of us, <laughs> and uh, we all get pretty excited. About it. <laughs> So, and Bill's got a uh, an online training event he'll talk about, so stick around for that. But you're going to be going up there to the Ogden Seed Exchange, right? Yes, it's Saturday, February 26th from 10 to 2 p.m. We'll talk a lot about it. It's Free Fair February, so folks south of Ogden can hop on, you know, Front Runner, get right up to Ogden for the Seed Exchange. That'd be a very cool way to check it out. We also have Skywatcher Leo T. We'll have a couple other things during rallies and resources, but let's start with an extra heaping helping of local music. Here, Utah Music's Ben Swisher is back from the City Library. And Al, I promised that we would get a track of his on. We'll get there before the end of the show. But Ben, remind everybody about this open call going on for Utah musicians. So is it like if I recorded some music 20 odd years ago, uh, could I could I submit or is it more current than that, Ben? Yeah, so we do have like a physical collection that you could contribute that to, but our digital collection um, is anything that's been made in the last five years. So definitely more recent things we're trying to represent for sure. All right, Al, have you got your bands submitting some digital applications? I'll have to work on that. <laughs> your seed occupied. Okay, Ben, so the deadline is February 22nd. That is just next week. What do folks need to turn in and how do they do it? So uh, everything that you need to know about the submission process, you can find out at hum.slcpl.org slash submit. And it'll walk you through what you need. Just ask for like two songs that kind of sample um, what you're submitting to be considered. Um, and yeah, just a little bit of info about you and kind of your connection to making music in Utah. Great. We'll put a link in the show notes, folks, but every local musician that can hear this, it's time to get that application in. And you want broadcast quality, I'm guessing. Yeah, something that we could like send out to the Voyager satellite for other planets to hear. Tune in. <laughs> <laughs> so Cool Banana is the first band. Do uh, you want to tell us a little bit about those guys? I would love to. Um, yeah, so their bio on our hum site says Cool Banana is a musical project of VHS Vic and Jeremy Devine, combining rock and roll theater, stage play, and comedy, redefining the meaning of stage time. If I were to write a bio, though, I would say that this song reminds me of like if all the members of Dr. Dog were replaced 
by the talking furniture from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Um, I mean that in a very complimentary way. Baby Again by Cool Banana, fresh and homegrown, right here on KRCL 90.9 FM. Baby, make me feel like I'm a baby again, that I can cry and take a little jump too far. But when I see you laughing at my silly little love song, that's cleaned your house for the 75th time? Do you have a stack of vinyl or a giant bin of CDs that you just don't know what to do with? How about donating them to KRCL for our annual record and CD sales? We're not sure what they'll look like this year, but they will happen. Whether you've digitized your library or just need a great place to donate your record collection, KRCL would love to be that place. Your old records and CDs could help fuel the next generation of music lovers. Reach out to KRCL's volunteer manager for drop-off information at ericn at krcl.org. Thanks. It's many cultures, one sky. Skywatcher Leo T here as we look up, look around, and get lost in space. Let's go out between the orbits of Saturn and Uranus. This is from Stardate Magazine on February 15, 25 years ago. I didn't know this. A giant monster asteroid was discovered between Saturn and Uranus. This huge rock has a diameter of 156 miles. It's bigger than the moons of Mars. As a stunning bonus, in 2014 astronomers discovered a pair of rings around her. Wow, I hope to get the little Skywatcher spaceship out for a look at this sometime. And a little bit closer in, Perseverance and Ingenuity celebrate one year of further exploration of space. The Mars helicopter Ingenuity aced its 19th flight after a dust storm delayed the planned New Year's Day flight by about a month. The big dust storm kicked up near the 28-mile-wide Jezero Crater, which Ingenuity and Perseverance have been exploring since February last year. The dust storm rolled in over Jezero Crater and the effects were observed by NASA's orbiting Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, the weather station aboard Perseverance and Ingenuity sensors. Wow, cool, watching the storm on Mars from Mars. This 19th flight took Ingenuity out of a rugged patch of Jezero's floor and up over a ridge onto a plateau. Back on Earth for a morning treat before sunrise with your hot steaming chai or coffee. Mercury, Venus, and Mars continue to shine in the early dawn. Venus vastly outshines Mars right now. Even small Mercury is brighter than Mars for a minute. Venus is at the top of the triangle with Mars at the lower left and Mercury completing the right corner of the triangle. And as a bonus in the evening skies, dazzling Orion stands at its highest in the south by about 8 p.m. Look under Orion's feet and to the right of Sirius where Lepus the Hare hides. 
He's a crouching bunny with his nose pointing lower right, his faint ears extending up toward blue, white beauty Rigel, that's Orion's foot, and his body to the left. His brightest two stars, Alpha and Beta Leporis, form the back and front of his neck, respectively. And with this in mind, it's one sky, many cultures from the western Rocky Mountain Crow tribes. A three-legged rabbit made himself a fourth leg from wood. The rabbit thought the sun was too hot for comfort, so he went to see what could be done. He went east at night to the place where the sun would rise. When the sun was halfway up, the rabbit shot it with an arrow. As the sun lay wounded on the ground, the rabbit took the white part of the sun's eyes and made the clouds. He made the black part of the eyes into the sky, the kidneys into stars, and the liver into the moon. Wascally wabbit. So keep the imagination flowing. Look up, look around, and get a little bit lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. Thank you, Leo. Many cultures, one sky with Skywatcher Leo T, a volunteer who creates that for us on Punk Rock Farmer Fridays. Check tonight's show notes for a link to Leo's Facebook page where you can catch up on his sources and other sky lore that he's tracking. I'm Laura Jones, and before we get to Aldine's Urban Farm Report with a panel of expert seed savers he's arranged, not to mention some more music from our friends at Hear Utah Music, the Hum Digital Catalog at the City Library, I wanted to share two things with you tonight. First, earlier today, Utah Governor Spencer Cox held a press conference in the Gold Room at the Utah Capitol to announce that the state of Utah will be transitioning to a steady-state COVID response. Here's a clip of the governor explaining a bit about that. It is now time to transition out of an emergency posture and into a manageable risk model. By March 31st, our response will transition to what we are calling a steady state. Our Department of Health will spend the next six weeks refining plans they've already started to develop to help us get there. Our response will look different, and that's okay. It's a good thing. Some elements of the response, like testing and treatment, will transition to being the responsibility of our highly capable healthcare systems. This will allow our public health system to refocus on the elements of the response that a public health system would normally look after. Disease surveillance, data collection and reporting, vaccinations, and public awareness. Now, let me be clear that this is not the end of COVID, but it is the end or or rather the beginning of treating COVID as we do other seasonal respiratory viruses. As the state, we are not packing up and heading home. We will continue to see cases and outbreaks and hospitalizations and unfortunately deaths. But it does mean that we are adapting how we respond to these things. There is still work to be done. How we accomplish that work is going to look different. And as we have noted many times, the tools don't work if they are not used. So until more people get vaccinated and boosted, we will continue to be ready to adjust and respond. As we move into a more personal risk model, I think it's important to note that we as as human beings will all have to decide what that risk variance is for us. There are a whole bunch of people who are unvaccinated and unboosted and at high risk who should take this disease much more seriously. There are also a whole bunch of people in our state who are vaccinated and boosted and young and at low risk who could stand to take this disease a lot less seriously. Utah Governor Spencer Cox on the state's move from a pandemic response to a steady state 
by the end of March. That means the state will be treating COVID as more of a seasonal illness, placing more responsibility on you and me as individuals to deal with it and manage it. I'll put a link to the full press conference in the show notes if you'd like to watch it later. And then if you remember last week, I got a preview from Ashley Patterson, the former executive director of Wasatch Community Gardens, about what was last night's conversation that she had with Beth Hoffman, author of the new book, Bet the Farm, The Dollars and Cents of Growing Food in America. It was an author talk presented by the King's English Bookshop in the 15th and 15th neighborhood of Salt Lake City. They did it online, and we were granted permission to record it and share some of it with you. Let's pick up with Ashley Patterson and one of her questions for Beth. What's been rewarding about the change from kind of talking about farming and writing about it and exploring it and... Um, what's been unexpected and also how that off-farm income is fitting into your life now. So that's a lot of questions, but take it wherever you want. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, off-farm income is something, you know, I talk, there's a whole chapter in the book about it, because if you look at USDA charts and graphs and everything, all of a sudden it's like, you know, the USDA likes to report about how farms are making a lot of money. They're, they have actually above average income. But if you look at the components of that in this bar graph, you see that off-farm income is actually the thing that's making money um, and not the on-farm income. And added to that, the important part is to know that that's what people are being lent money on. So, Um, the debt burden for farms is enormous. And a lot of that comes from the fact that people are lent money based on their off farm jobs. So it's not just like people work off the farm to, uh, to make some money so that their housing is paid for their, their clothing or whatever. It actually pays for that $500,000 combine that's sitting in the barn. Um, it's so we're so farm the whole industry of farming is dependent on income from outside of farming um but to answer also part of the first part of your question um you know if if it's so financially difficult for farms um i remember in the writing of the book and i'll i'll call out here to felicia Oliveira. maybe she's here in this crowd um, she was doing editing for me. She was reading everything. And she, um, at, at some point she was like, okay, why do people farm? Like, it's, it sounds like you're describing all of these really hard things that are happening to you. And, you know, there's a chapter on the stress that and the anxiety that it was all producing. And I think that, um, you know, I think that in a place like Utah where people recreate, we're used to having lives that are lived partly outside and are active, but there's like enormous, you know, swaths of the population that don't have any of that. Um, and, and I, I just think that that's a really rewarding part about farming that I didn't really, I mean, of course you have this, this mythological, you know, thought about getting your hands in the dirt and I'm going to get back to the land and all this kind of stuff. But it's like being outside and working with animals too is a completely different thing than um, anything else that I had experienced. 
So there's a lot of really positive aspects to it where it just makes me think all the time, you know, we have such these problems with kids and, you know, adults who have attention problems, but is it realistic that we're asking everybody to just sit all the time, just sit in front of a computer, then go home and sit in front of your TV. And it's not a, it's not something that should fit everyone in the population. And I think farming, if there was some money to be made or easier ways to get into it, that more and more people would choose that lifestyle because it is very rewarding. That is Beth Hoffman, author of Bet the Farm, The Dollars and Cents of Growing Food in America, in conversation with Ashley Patterson, former executive director of Wasatch Community Gardens. And Beth used to be a Utah herself. Check tonight's show notes for a link to Beth's book and her Whippoorwill Farm in Iowa. And we've got time for more music from Hear Utah Music, HUM, the local music digital catalog online at slcpl.org. There's an open call, Al, as we've been talking about for, I think this is the third week now to remind folks out there that A, it's available to listen to, but B, Ben Swisher, it's available for folks to apply to, to submit to. Yeah, so right now in the HUM collection, since starting around 2017, 2018, we have over 150 artists and we're just about to cross the 200 mark with albums in this current submission round. So it's really super exciting to get to that milestone for sure. Yep, deadline coming up. And also if you are chosen for the catalog in this round, you get paid, right, Ben? Yeah, that's what's really wonderful about what the library is doing is we're putting money into the hands of local musicians. So it's $200 for LPs and $100 for EPs that are accepted into the collection. Ben Littlegrim, I'm thinking it's a sort of a rap thing. You'd think that, um, but they describe themselves as disjointed pop hits from a distant planet's <laughs> golden era. Um, I think they're definitely inspired by things like that for sure. Um, but I made sort of a comment or joke about Voyager satellite quality for submissions, but it really does sound like something you might pick up from uh, you know, a planet with some human-like life forms. This is one of the newer albums, right? In the digital collection? Yeah. So this album from Little Grimm called Mangosteen was released in 2021. So a lot newer. It was the last submission round that this one got in. This is Little Grimm with Prove You're Human here on KRCL 90.9 FM, fresh and homegrown.
downsizing your car collection, or simply tired of looking at that project car sitting in the back of your driveway in pieces. Either way, consider donating it to KRCL, and our friends at Cars Inc. will take it from there. No hassles, no fees. You get a tax receipt, and KRCL gets a donation. But best of all, the music you love never stops. Visit the support tab at krcl.org for more information and how to donate. Thanks, y'all. Support for KRCL comes from the Mobile Moon Co-op, a female and queer collective and mobile apothecary offering handcrafted herbal products, teas, and cultural events and workshops. More information at mobilemooncoop.org or on social media platforms at Mobile Moon Co-op. Welcome back to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. I'm Laura Jones, and coming up at 7 o'clock, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Not a Sideshow with our pal Circus Brown. Friday night, Fallout with Keith McDonald and Nate at 10.30. And you can find any of our shows the last two weeks. Listen on demand at krcl.org. Just click on the Programs tab to find that button. All right, Aldine, it's time for your Urban Farm Report. Remind folks what we're trying to do here every Friday night before we get into it. Every Friday, you know, every Friday we uh, do an urban farm report. We're talking about growing local food. We're talking about eating nutrient-dense food. We're talking about bolstering a regional seed bank. All these things that are, um, we're talking food sovereignty. Um, We just want to eat really good food, and we want it available to us all the time. And so... I think local is the best way we do that. True yeah. tales from the Agrihood. Okay. David Wolfgram's with us. Let's start out with David and talk a little bit about the Ogden Seed Exchange because this is, like I said, one of my favorite events of the year. About seven years ago, I took a seed starting class from Wasatch Community Gardens. And it really, I always loved seeds, but it's been all downhill from there. Um, there's a lot of excitement around seeds, David. Where did yours start? Well, I think mine start, started with my father when I was uh, young. Uh, he had us uh, out in the garden spending Saturdays, and I didn't like it then, but it uh, did plant a seed inside of me. And uh, as I grew older and wanted better quality foods and cleaner foods and more conscious eating, um, that that uh, seed grew inside me and I became the one out there with my kids hoeing uh, and weeding my garden. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, this is the 12th annual and it's, so this has been going a while. Um, I know you were involved with a few people in Ogden. You want to mention just two and, and how, how the seed exchange kind of got off the ground. Uh, the seed exchange uh, came into fruition. Um, Greg Bat and I were uh, sitting around talking seeds and and talking about what we could do to make our community a more likable, livable place for ourselves. And uh, we decided the seed exchange would be the way to do it, uh, especially over a seed bank. You know, as we toyed around the ideas, um, and now we have uh, Mary Millen and uh, Anna Cash helping us out here. Uh, with the seed exchange as well. So we make a good team and it's an all volunteer base. Um, and it is, it is pure community service and uh, raising, raising consciousness is, is basic, basically how we see changing the future, you know, growing food. So, so on February 26th, uh, not this Saturday, but the one after, um, 
let's tell folks a little bit about what they can expect at the seed exchange. I know there's, I know you're only, you're only asking for locally grown and saved seeds and uh, give us the reason behind that too. Yeah. Okay. So when we first started the seed exchange, we had to infuse some seeds into the community uh, because a lot of seeds weren't available, but when you, when you're, growing food and saving the seeds from that food, uh, it adapts to your region, your soils. Um, seeds are intelligent and uh, they evolve just, just like we do. So um, when you're saving seeds uh, that are grown from your region, you know, they're adapting to like the weather's conditions, the soil, the moisture, the humidity, there's a lot of factors in play. And so when you're selecting uh, for the different traits in your vegetables that you want, you're you're actually improving the seed quality or the or the way the seed can uh, perform. Um, so that's what we're asking people to bring is uh, you know seeds that they've grown in their garden or or that they know of. And labeling is really important. Um, you know, in years past, we had people bringing you know seeds from peppers from Smiths or you know. <laughs> Like, oh, let's we'll bring some seeds and, and not labeling them properly or sharing them. So we're, we're asking it to be more of a conscious, uh, refined event. There'll be some uh, gardeners, some amateur gardeners and some professional seed growers there. And what people can expect is they'll come in through the door. The event's free. Um, if everybody could bring some little envelopes of their own or some containers to source store seeds, We'll have a big table in the center that has all free seeds of donated seeds. And then uh, the vendors, the people who are sorting and cleaning their seeds and bringing them, you know, they'll charge a nominal fee. You can expect to pay a dollar to $3 for a package of seeds, but usually a dollar will get you, you know, 25 tomato seeds or, you know, and there'll be lots of varieties there. And if you have seeds to, you know, it's a seed exchange. So if you have seeds, of your own, bring those with you. And nobody's going to turn away uh, exchanging seed for seed. This is, that's, there's something magical about that when you're, you're sharing seed from your garden and trading straight across from a seed that you, that you would like. It's, there's something that is really magical about that and uh, community building. For sure. Most definitely. Um, so I, when you walk through that door, there's a lot of people at this thing. It's really big. There's, it's a clamor. There's a lot of excitement going on. There's free seeds. There's raffle that uh, for prizes. There's activities for kids and adults. There's going to be breakout sessions this year. I've asked to speak and give a little enthusiasm talk on you know, basic seed starting. And uh, that's, that's wonderful. You know, let's, um, I'm, I'm really excited for it. I'm also excited because Bill McDormand's with us here today. And Bill, thank you so much for uh, giving a little blessing and a nod at the Utah Farm and Food Conferences seed exchange that I had a part in stewarding with Joseph Lofthouse, Dale Thurber. We had, we had some heavyweights there. They'll be at the Ogden Seed Exchange also. But Bill, give us a little bit, give us a nod and a little bit of a blessing. And I, I love the part about the intelligence inside the seed. Please, please expound on that a little bit. <laughs> wow, you guys are the ones that are important. I mean, I first heard about um, 
Dave and Greg um, and the Ogden Seed Exchange when it started, and I it made me really, really happy. Yes. Why? Because I want to live in the Mountain West for a long time. That's where I grew up. And if we're going to live here for a long time now, we're going to have to have our own food system. I think people all over the world are figuring this out. Supply lines are being shortened. Not only that, when we have our own local food, it's better for us, right? We're getting healthier. This is the coolest thing you can do. I just read that 6 million millennials just started gardening. Why? Because they wanted to change their diet. This is unprecedented. Um, why? Because they're sick. Their guts are bad because of the, the gluten. You know, their doctors are saying you got to change your diet. They go down to Whole Foods and they can't afford it. And so then they go, well, maybe I should start gardening. Maybe I could help the planet that way. And that's certainly the case. But the problem with this big movement into local food, and it's been spectacular, is that we don't have any seeds. You can't have a local agriculture without your own seeds. Virtually 99% of all the seeds still come from outside the Rocky Mountain West. And so, you know, we talk about self-reliance and we talk about sustainability, but how sustainable is it if you're buying your organic seeds from an East Coast seed company that's contract growing them in China? I mean, how is that even certified organic seeds? How's that going to work? So you can see how excited I was when I heard about a couple of guys I'd never heard of before. Greg and Dave going, whoa, we're going to just use our own community and our own energy and we're going to find out how to get our own seeds. And it's had spectacular success. If you go, go just to meet those guys. They're two of the coolest and most intelligent people I've ever been around. And the second reason you should go, and this is for all you punk rockers out there, seeds are the most powerful technology you'll ever be around. Put down your cell phone, all right? Because when you pick up a handful of seeds, you have enough power to start a whole new agriculture anywhere in the world. It's a self-replicating technology, all right? Your cell phone won't do that. You just have a cell phone. A seed, inside each seed are millions and millions of more seeds. And as Dave said, they're intelligent. It has AI. Each cycle through its life, it takes information from its immediate environment and it locks it back into its own DNA. Unbelievable, and starts adapting to where it is. That's how we got our food system, think about it. In 10,000 years, we took wild plants that none of us would eat now and slowly but surely saved the seeds from the things we liked. And that's how we got all the vegetables and the grains that we have. And so we're not doing anything new. These guys aren't. They're just going back to the way it's always been done. A couple of generations ago, everybody in Utah that grew something saved their own seeds. It was just part and parcel of what was going on. And so now we're just have now that we know how powerful it is as a technology, we're like it's like kids in the candy store you go into a seed exchange and it's unbelievable the size shapes colors flavors and stories that you'll come into i mean i you know american gardeners think they can get their juices going reading seed catalogs late at night in you know january and december when their their new seed catalogs come everybody talks about it you know man that is nothing compared to the rush you get when you go in and you sit down with some old timer who's got a hundred year old tomato that his great uncle brought on a wagon train out here that will blow your mind because it's been growing in your community for a hundred years. And I know that sounds like an outlandish story, but that's one I heard in, uh, in uh, Pueblo, Colorado. 
right? That just happened there. So I'm sure there's stuff like that all over. And that's that's the fun we get to have these days. We get to dig all this stuff up, rediscover it, replant it, reconnect to it, and have a lot of fun. So I know you're going to have fun if you go. I got a question I want to throw in here, Al, if you'll allow me. Um, yes, of course. Please. I'm thinking of, you know, when, you know, we used to make we used to have cassette tapes and we'd copy and copy and copy and the and the sound would degrade, degrade, degrade. Well, when you say seeds, it works differently, right? It strengthens what you can grow in your community. Exactly. Bill. You know, we used to think that the only changes that took place genetically were from sexual reproduction. In other words, you had to learn all those complicated rules you know, for breeding. Oh, I can't have crossing. It won't breed true. Or I might get inbred depression if I don't save enough. There's all those kinds of rules. And they're all really important rules, but only for large scale industrial agriculture. If you're just gardening on a small scale in your home backyard, you get to have all the fun you want. Make all the mistakes you want. Because why? What's the worst thing that can happen if you make a genetic mistake in your own backyard? Because you're saving seeds and you have no idea what you're doing. The worst thing that can happen is you get to eat it. <laughs> okay, you're still gardening. Yeah. This is all fluff up and above. This is where we have fun. And that's why gardeners and small farmers have always been the ones that have created new adaptive um, genetics for each region. And now, though, in the last 20 years, we've, we're learning more and more about epigenetics. Be, epi means beyond genetics. And what we know about that now is say, this is a gross generalization, but if you guys have a 110 degree week this summer in Salt Lake, which is possible, right? What happens? Your plants have never seen that before and they start freaking out. They've never been under that kind of heat before. So what they do is start secreting different hormones and taking care of themselves. They'll close down their stoma so they don't transpire as much. They'll do all sorts of things to survive, okay? What we know from epigenetics now is those changes because of that stress can be passed on directly to their offspring. No sexual reproduction involved. They can adapt right away. We're starting to know this about humans, right? When we see third generation Holocaust survivors that still have traumatic brain injury in a sense. It's right, their grandparents went through such a stress, they changed their whole system and they passed that on to their offspring, right? And that's what plants are doing. And so we can take advantage of that. That's that AI I'm talking about. Parents want their kids to survive. They're passing it right on. And we knew if you've been gardening at all, you knew this intuitively. This answers a question I've had my whole gardening life. Why do volunteers always work better? Right? Those things you didn't plant that somehow made it through a year. The parents dropped some seeds or whatever, and it came up on its own. Those are always as good a plant in my garden as anything. And now we know, know why. We're, we're, we've gotten out of the way from buying our seeds from somewhere else that are adapted to other things and trying to bring them in and thinking we're so smart about it, right? And instead, we just let this process take care of itself and it reseeded itself and we actually get something superior. That's the secret to this whole thing. So go down to that seed exchange and get stuff that that's already happened to, that's local. Oh my God, you're getting a head start. I feel like I'm at a tent revival for, for seeds and propagation, Al. This is Radioactive Punk Rock Farmer Friday. I'm Laura Jones, Aldine Strychnine, KRCL's Punk Rock Farmer. We're talking seeds because coming up 
is the Ogden Seed Exchange Seed Swap. When is that again, Al? It's uh, February 26th from 10 till 2 p.m. David, um, David Wolfgram's with us. He's one of the founders of this thing. David, you have something you want to address to Bill? Go ahead. Yeah, I just I just want to thank Bill for all the work he's done in the community and around the world. I, would, I had the opportunity to go to uh, seed training school, teacher training school with him in uh, uh, Idaho. And uh, it was a great experience for me to open my mind in other avenues with the, the biodynamics and um, the intelligence of seeds too. So, and it's, it's been an honor to pass uh, the information that we've received uh, through the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance and uh, continue educating in our communities. So it's, yeah, thank you, Bill. Thank you. Bill, Bill will, you, will you speak a little bit to, um, to the aspects of diversity and what's happened, happened in the last hundred years or so and um, just how dire this situation is and just how much we really need to get out there and grow these seeds that we're all, the seeds we love, not just the one kind of corn or the one bean or those kind of things. Tell us about the, the diversity of things. Well, you know, wow. You know, before I'm done, I want to hear from Greg because Greg Bat's one of the best seed savers and one of my favorite people in the whole world. So, and he can speak to all of this stuff too, but all I'll say is that, um, we're it's not looking good people <laughs> we're on a course to lose half the biodiversity on the whole planet and many of our major crops we've become so genetically narrow or you know we've monocropped the whole planet that we're you know may face a losing wheat bananas citrus you know there are there are diseases getting in pit hogs if you want to get into the meat thing you know the industrial food system's been great for making more profits the larger it gets for the people that own it but it has devastated the amount of diversity i think the united nations the uh, when they did the last authoritative study found that 90 percent of the varieties of things planted in farms and gardens worldwide was gone even from a couple of generations ago. Everybody's planting and growing the same thing. And so what that means is diseases, insects, drought, floods, whatever it is, if it, just take it out, it's all the same. Whereas before, when we had say 30,000 different varieties of wheat growing worldwide, if a bug got into it, it would only get part of it because some of it was so different that it would be resistant. And that's what we're bringing back to our communities now is our own diversity. And the more we have, the more successful our uh, agricultural systems will be. And I'm afraid, this, these are my fears, I'm afraid all of these transportation systems and easy access to seeds from all over the world that we've had for the last 30 or 40 years is about to close down. It'll either be because of wars or more disease or, or people are just getting stingy. And so our job should be to get as much diversity from all over the world into our uh, yards and gardens as quickly as we can and start saving seeds from the stuff that works. That's going to be the only way we survive um, as healthy and wealthy individuals in, you know, our region. And so, you know, again, I'll just get back to it. This is, it's fun and we're going to, it's going to be exciting, the seed exchange or whatever, but make no mistake, in my mind, it is the most important thing happening. Historically, I think they'll look back 
in Utah this year. When people run out of stuff and the grocery stores are empty and everybody's running around trying to grow their own stuff and nobody has any seeds, you guys will be going, oh yeah, we got seeds. We've been trying this stuff here. We share them, man. And instead of getting our guns out, we'll all go, oh, okay, let's just grow some stuff and help out. You know, that's my vision for the future or some version of it. Yeah, I, I, I would like also to add just a little bit about what Bill was talking about. Um, well, the varieties are uh, diminishing and the genetic pool is getting smaller. But when we when we take the power back and we're growing those vegetables and they're relearning and crossing with other varieties, we're actually making new varieties. We're increasing the genetic and the gene pool and those recessive genes are coming forward. And and if we select properly, we can make them dominant genes and and stronger, stronger uh food supplies so yeah i i'm i'm uh, optimistic about the future uh when we grow food from seeds that we've saved ourselves so here's a story about that a funny story about uh, saving seeds and uh this is about a woman um from quail hollow farms her name is lar bledsoe bledsoe and she started saving the seeds from an ancient watermelon that was found in a cave that used to grow with a crook neck. And the guy who started growing it around here um, in Utah actually started to grow it so that it wouldn't have the crook neck because people didn't want it because it looked different and it wasn't a watermelon, whatever. It, it just wasn't wasn't cool it didn't look like watermelon so now she's been growing these seeds and every once in a while she gets a crook neck one and what does she do she saves the seeds from the crook neck one so that she can create that ancient watermelon the way that it was i love that story that's the kind of stuff that really gets me you have a comment on that bill do it. <laughs> well, here's my question is, is she going to be at the seed swap, yeah, Greg? Back? Where are is they? She gonna have those seeds? <laughs> we want seeds. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you I can get some from her. I doubt Laura will make it that far. She's uh, she's down by Vegas. But uh, I mean, we do get people from all over the state coming. Um, I talked to Laura about that. She and I both were featured in the Baker Creek um spot that they had because because we both were growing those those watermelons and i also will get those crook necks and i have seeds i've saved from those um i just because it's important to to get that that original programming get that back and uh i wanted to say something about what bill was talking about i mean connect it to our mission at uh, Ogden seed exchange because uh, when David and I started this, uh, we committed that uh, the biggest thing that we wanted to do was get more people to save their own seeds. And that's, that's one of the biggest reasons why we started just having locally grown seeds. Yeah, we can be a dispensary for seeds and we do. We're, we're, that's one of the biggest things we do is share seeds with people. But the more people that we can, that's really the, the bigger mission is to get people to do it. And so the more we can encourage people to do it, that's where it's really going to be the movement and, and make the difference to get more and more people 
to to take that leap because they think they're going to screw it up just like you were talking about but then we help them through workshops or or, or just dispensing information um, that they're not they can do it and you know we teach them how but uh yeah i wish laura would come that would be great uh, she would be a good addition to our our meeting Cruck neck watermelons. I want that. I will send you some. I'll send you some without LD. <laughs> Greg, I didn't even, I can't see everybody at the same time on the screen. I didn't even, you were so quiet. I didn't even know you were there. I was muted. <laughs> Just waiting for my turn. <laughs> um, so uh, maybe this will help. On uh, Saturday, February 26th, um, I'm part of a group called the Great American Seed Up in phoenix and we're doing this our ideas to do that down here you know get thousands of people saving their own seats again and so we're doing a seat up saturday we call it on the 26th and from uh, 1 p.m to 4 p.m mountain standard time we're going to be doing free um how to save seat um classes we've got why you should save them seat saving 101 seat storage seat starting and then a little bit about nutrition and it's just free so you can come on you can go to the urbanfarm.org and uh and find a way to sign up that's the group i've been working with down there yeah seat up saturday yeah we will uh we'll put it in the show notes but i think you start in the morning at 10 a.m mountain standard time in ogden take that front runner up to ogden everybody and go to ogden get some seeds there and if you didn't get enough then you're gonna hop online for the great seat up saturday with uh the urban farm i think al so greg what can folks expect on Saturday the 26th. And where's it gonna be? Does it cost anything to get in? Give us the details. No, it's free. Everything Ogden Seed Exchange does is, is free, unless you're buying a t-shirt or a hat to help us raise some funds. Um, the workshops we give are free. That's another thing we've committed to, to try to, to, try to get people educated as much as possible. Um, like David said, you walk in the door and this is gonna be an energy you're gonna feel. And, uh, you know, there, there is, uh, some fun things like, um, oh, there's a seed starting and transplanting table. There's the raffle. Um, we do have a couple of breakout sessions. One will be Al and, and David, um, leading a discussion about basic seed saving. Um, why save seeds? Why is it so important? Some of the things we've been talking about, um, that one. I think will be at 1030. And then we have another breakout at 1115. And that will be John. What is John's last name, David? <laughs> I forget his last name. From, uh, yeah, Utah Foodscaping uh, nonprofit. Um, and they will be talking about timing for planting the garden and a little bit of uh, soil health things like that. And then uh, we'll, we'll announce the, the, the raffle um, winners and we'll be till one o'clock. Lots of good stuff. And I love the poster for the, the swap this year. We'll be sure to put that in the, the show notes so folks can check it out. But I'm seeing uh, Grand you. Prismatic Seed will be there. Also, our friend from Delectation of Tomatoes, Aldine. Gail Server, he'll be there. I think he's up. Gale, yeah. Go ahead. Update. We got an update. The update is that Grand Prismatic cannot make it themselves and they are sending some seeds with me 
so they will at least be represented by by their seeds anyway. Well, then Snake River Seed Cooperative, that's Jay, uh, our friend James Loomis, right, Al? That, yes, and they're up in Boise, and uh, James propagates seed for them. Um, you know, they say, know your local farmer well, know your local seed farmer too. And he's one that's producing quite a bit of seed, and um, they have, they're using it in their catalog. And, you know, it's from this inner mountain west area. Coming up... On the 26th, the Ogden Seed Exchange 12th Annual Seed Swap. This is for everybody. You know, we've, we've been talking some real specialized stuff here with y'all, but you're really wanting to get the novice to the expert in, Greg. And you can come with seeds. They have to be locally grown and saved seeds. But you can also come with your own envelopes and uh, Ziplocs to get some seeds, Greg. Yeah, please do. Bring your kids. For goodness sake, bring the kids, the next generation of seed savers, right? Um, enjoy a, a breakout session. Um, you're going to go home with probably more seeds than you have room to grow in your backyards. But we are super excited for this year. There's an energy growing about this year that we haven't felt before. I don't know if it's that we weren't able to do it last year and people just are excited and itching to get out of their houses and, and get out into the gardens or what, but, but it's growing. It, there's an energy this year for sure. Let's start with the seed exchange. Where where can the folks find info online, you guys? Right now, it's uh, our Facebook page is uh, and Instagram page is uh, uh, most active. We're in website development right now. It's at OrgonSeedExchange.org, but uh, Facebook and Instagram, uh, you'll see a lot of pictures, and we'll be building that up, uh, posting photos of the seeds that will be available, uh, some of the raffle items that will be available, uh, our sponsors. Um, so check, check the Facebook page and Instagram page, Argon Seed Exchange. Thanks. Thanks. How do I get a t-shirt and how? <laughs> for, for you, Bill, we'll just get one in the mail for you. <laughs> well, let me know where to send it. If people are, can't make it to the exchange, why don't you put an address up or something for us? That'd be great. And, and Bill, um, why don't you tell us, tell us just a little bit about the mission of the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance and where folks can catch up with you. Well, I've got some pretty big news. For all the 40 years I've been um, involved in seeds, you know, from um, teaching courses like uh, the one Dave went to, to going to Rome, to the United Nations or whatever, one thing's always been most important to me. It's always been part of my message. And that is no matter what level you get into in modern life, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and and if you're in seed policy or you're starting exchanges, whatever, the most important thing is to go home, plant, and grow, and save, and share some of your own seeds. And so I just did that. So I'm no longer with the Rocky Mountain Seed Alliance. I came home. I'm at cornvilleseed.com. If you want to find me and I'm going to be just making available what I have and my passion in the last few years have been uh, ancient and heritage grains. I've got uh, free threshing einkorn now I'm trying some spelts emmers oh my God once you see blue tinged emmer that's like 2000 years old you'll just never you know. <laughs> and so that's what that's what I'm doing now so cornvilleseed.com that's where you'll find me very good. Really great stuff. Um, and and uh, Bill's going to be at the uh, Farm and Food Conference next year too. We're gonna we're gonna keep our fingers crossed that 
he'll be there in person, but he's already agreed to come. Yes. And uh, I'll be looking so forward to that, Bill. And uh, we might have to do a road trip and come down and see what's going on in your neck of the woods, too. Oh, one of those, we could do one of those uh, mobile radio things, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's on the list. Well, thank you, everybody. We'll see you at the Seed Swap in Ogden. Remember, Free Fair February, you can get up there on uh, the Front Runner. Where's it going to be again, Greg? It's at um, Ogden Preparatory Academy. It's a local school that's allowed us to use their, uh, what do you call it, David? Their gymnasium. <laughs> it's like a Lunch gymatorium. <laughs> Yeah. I see the address awesome. is 1415 Lincoln Avenue in Ogden. We'll see you there. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Al. Thanks, everybody. Bill, Thanks, everybody. You, Bless you guys. Bless you. And that's just about all of our show, but we've got time for more local music. Al, Ben Swisher with us for the last two weeks. His colleague, Jason Rabb, the first time three weeks ago where we started talking about hum here utah music and the open call for local music so ben why don't you just kind of recap for us what's going on the deadlines and what folks can do yeah so submissions are open right now to submit your local tunes to the library's local music collection so you can find more info about that at hum.slcpl.org submit and submissions are open until the 22nd, midnight. So get those submissions in so that you can be considered and get paid for your work if you're accepted. So folks, if you were making new music, like again, the last five years, it's time to apply. Check the show notes tonight. Al, let's find out about this next band. This one is Bly, uh, from Bly Time, and we've had them on the show before. I'm not sure which one of the projects this is because um, some of them were a little different. The song is Pulse and Twist. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, I think Bly does a lot of various um, like forms of exploration in their music for sure. And I think that's what's so exciting about them is they bounce around a lot of different territories musically. But this is just like a really wonderful, strange, psychedelic dance song from Bly about transformation. Um, so that's that's really what I had to say about that. Pulse and Twist, Bly Wallentine. Fresh and homegrown on KCL 90.9 FM.
Bly Wallentine's Polson Twist and Al, I save room because last week I said, you know, folks, Ben Swisher, he makes music too. So we got to slide one of these in here before we stop talking about Hum for a couple weeks. Again, the digital music, local music catalog at slcpl.org. So Ben, your alter ego is Sen Wisher, and he put out an album in 2018 called Bird Languages. And it kind of became the reason he moved here. Ben, tell us about that. Yeah, so Bly Wallentine, who we just heard, um, runs a studio called Studio Studio Data and Provo. And I was living in Oregon at the time, and I flew back to Utah to make this record with them because I felt that they would be the best sort of way to do that. And I just had such a rewarding, magical time making it that um, I just couldn't not like just move back here. I just um, missed so much about what is special about making music in Utah and I had to come back. And so this is sort of an ode to that and all the wonderful things people are making and doing here. Okay, pretend you don't know who Sen Wisher is and how would you pair this song, Feather Tongue? Uh, that's a very good question. I think it's just a good, it's a good song to put on a boom box and go on a walk and try to see if you can up your bird spottings for the week. Um, I think there's some bird call at the beginning and the end, and um, hopefully it doesn't attract any like uh, predator birds or anything like that. So I can't actually sanction that, but just hypothetically speaking, I think it's a good song for going birding. This is Sam Wisher with Feather Tongue, fresh and homegrown on KMCL 90.9 FM. See you at the market tomorrow, Al. See ya. I can hear you from my window. I can hear you from my window. Major triad from the backyard to communicate. Of course, I relate. Your survival, it depends on being good at song. We're not here for long. Common raven, western scrub jay, and the morning dove while I'm on the Transcend me in the branches. One day I will too. I will be brand new. Voice from heaven. <laughs> 